Please welcome nine-time Emmy nominee Anthony Anderson. All right. Uh, JK, now, before we announce the nominees, you know, I have a few things that uh, I'd like to say. You do? Yes, I oh. do. Because in rehearsal, I thought we decided that we're just going to... You know, we have a record number of black Emmy nominees this year, which is great. This is the part where the white people start to applaud. Oh. And nod. Oh. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, these Emmys would have been all-star... You know, these Emmys would have been NBA All-Star Weekend and Wakanda, all wrapped in one. This was supposed to be the blackest Emmys ever. Y'all wouldn't have been able to handle how black it was going to be. But because of COVID, we can't even get in the building. Well, thank you, Anthony. Yeah, now, these Emmys would have been so black, it would have been like hot sauce in your purse black. It would have been Howard University homecoming black. It would have been you fit the description black. Well, um, I'm sorry that it wasn't that. It would have been great. It really yeah, would have. We would have had speeches mm -hmm. quoting our great poets like Maya Angelou, Langston Hughes, Cardi B, Wop, Jimmy Wop. Oh, the song. Oh, yes. totally. Yes. Yeah, right. But, right. but instead of that sexy, melanated energy, here I am, alone in a sterilized green room, trying not to sneeze on a llama. What a damn it, it shame. Actually, uh, an alpaca. All right, don't white-splain it to me, Jimmy. Sorry. It should have been a pit bull. But not tonight. No, not tonight. This isn't what it should have been, Jimmy. But, but you know what? I'm still rooting for everybody black. Because black stories, black performances, and black lives matter. Say it with me, Jimmy. Black, Black lives, lives matter. matter. Louder, Jimmy. Black, Black lives, lives matter. matter. Louder, Jimmy. Say it so that my pigs can hear it. Black, Black lives, lives matter. matter. That's right. And because Black lives matter, Black people will stay at home tonight to be safe, which is fine because guess what? Y'all don't know how to light us anyway. No. Jimmy, I... Glad I got that off I my am chest. Too. I am too, yeah. I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that you've given me a safe space to say this from. Well, it's my pleasure. You okay. know that, yes. Uh, could you scoot over so I can stand on this star? Okay, yes, I will. Bring out. Okay. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie, along with my wife, Star Petrie. Hey, everybody. And uh, we just want to welcome you to the table for another podcast. Please make sure, if you're watching this on all of our particular platforms, if you're on YouTube, click the subscribe button so that you can get further information about uh, our podcast and future podcasts that we will be having. I'm trying to get all of this out of the way because I'm ready to jump right into what we just got through watching. <laughs> you can also follow us if you like to listen on the go. Uh, to our, You can follow our podcast and listen to our podcast on all of our streaming platforms. There's Spotify, iTunes, of course, SoundCloud, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. We're out there. It's at Culture and Convictions. You can find us on YouTube. That's Culture and Convictions TV. And you can also uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Culture and Convictions. Once again, welcome to the table, and we thank you for watching and listening. What say you? I, I just, I understand why, why no one watched the Emmys. I mean, <laughs> because, because honestly, that, that entire exchange was so empty and so bereft of any type of comedy. Um, and I think truly people are just tired. And we've talked about this at nauseum about the politicization of every single thing. I mean, just get yeah. out there and announce who's, who's the category and the nominees and give them the award. I mean, why do we have to go through all of this? And, and remember, think about this. He's talking, uh, he's talking to someone who just got in trouble for wearing blackface not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. So the irony is that this black man is, is schooling this white man who's supposed to, be, supposed to be as liberal as they come, but had no problem dressing up and putting on blackface and making fun. Because, of course, he's a comedian, so I'm not knocking yeah. that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am saying that it just, all of the, all of the black whites issue the black lives matter the uh, it's just it's tired it's playing you know out. for a nation that always talks about uh, well for a citizenry who always talks about how tired they are of politics 
and how sensitive people get when it comes to the subject of politics mm -hmm. and how people don't want politics spoken at the family reunion. Don't start talking at politics. Don't start doing this. Don't start doing that. We are inundated with politics. Everywhere. Nothing, is, Everywhere. nothing is a separate entity anymore. If you turn on sports, sports is not just sports anymore. It's a political campaign Absolutely. and a little sports beside. Absolutely. Whether that's the NBA, whether that's the NFL, whether that's collegiate sports, uh, you turn on the Emmys, it's not an award show for performances of, of, of artisans. Now it's a political uh, diatribe. And it's if always you, been that, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, they, to yeah. some degree. You're they, right, you're right. You know, They've they, always kind of been dyed in the wool po yeah. political. But um, it's everywhere now. Yeah. And so so now we are, we are ad nauseum shoving this highly politicized diatribe down everybody's throat. And that was the one of the most, um, you know, I, I don't even know how to begin to describe really how off base that really was. It wasn't and funny. It was not, it's, it wasn't even close to funny. And as empty as the building felt, that's as empty as it came across. Yeah. Sitting on the, you know, on the other side of YouTube or on the other side of the television. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. But on the top of it being empty, it was offensive. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really undermining of black people. No doubt. No doubt. It's undermining of black achievement because at the end of the day, you're sitting up and you're making just a, an absolute, I don't know, a clown of yourself talking about how black it was going to be and what, how black it was. As, as though, I guess, this year, the Emmy, with their record number of, um, uh, you know... POCs, POCs, POCs. POCs. People of color, black people. <laughs> record number Acronyms, of people nominated man. for Emmys, uh, coinciding with a time in which we're heavily politicized along racial lines. we got Black Lives Matter and, and police, defunding police, police reform, et cetera, et cetera. So... Uh, it kind of, to me, once again, it does that thing that affirmative action does. It puts a question mark on black achievement, right? It, it kind of holds over, if I were an actor this year, right, and I were up for an Emmy, and it was a record number of Emmys for me as a person of, of color, mm -hmm. as you told me to correct it, POC, okay? I use that acronym. And I, would, I would be grateful, okay? You're grateful for any type of recognition for your craft and what you do, but once again, it puts a kind of a haze. You mean in the back of your mind, you'd be thinking, yeah, do they yeah. like me? Do they really like well, me? Or am I just the right color today? Yeah, it's in, in, in really, is it about my performance? Yes, I'm saying. Is it about the craft? Is it really about what I did? For people who are really serious about what they're doing, right? Because who wants to be trading in life purely on their color, right? Who wants to be living their life purely on that? When, when the human makeup, the human being, all of us are much more than just the color of our skin. Yes. And what does that provide? My transformers were more than meets the eye. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, really. <laughs> no, you're right. And what does it inform about me? Yeah. It's the least, it's the least amount of information. Absolutely. It's the least thing that informs who I am. Yeah. Right? All of my character, my spirituality, my, my intellect, my, my talents, my gifts, my, my entire makeup as a person. Mm -hmm. Right? But you, you kind of reduce things down to being very, very shallow. When it's like, well, we, it makes it feel like, well, we're doing this because. <laughs> well, see, so now there's, once again, there's that question mark over, over black achievement. There's this question mark around uh, what, the, what, what Hollywood is attempting to do. And so I, I think it, it was patronizing. It was condescending. It was, it was off color. And I'm ready to see people, can I say it? Oh, I'm sure. ready to see people grow up to recognize <laughs> this is played, it is, right? It's, played. it's long in the tooth. It's, played. it's 2020. <laughs> it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up on all sides, both black, white, and anything in between. It's time to grow up, people. We're, 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 it, it's time to move our minds forward. Because once again, if you're if you're if you're doing something like this for the sake of people being like as you say the right color or we're going to do this now because of injustices in the past so really what we're doing is we're not awarding based upon present day actual work of course not we're we're we're, we're doing this in retrospect we're trying to right wrongs we're trying to redeem bad or or, or past evils right so once again you are still under the question mark. So now you don't get the validation of your craft, your talent, your work. And this is why people 
you know, you go back in time and people always talked about, well, Hattie McDaniels, she, she was playing uh, uh, Gone with the Wind. She was playing this, this part that was subservient. It was a part of history. It was real. Okay. So we, we go back and we see the accomplishment of Sidney Poitier. But see, these people have this, <laughs> they have this largeness of character, right? Sure. Where they can stand and their Oscar, their Emmy, their whatever, we, the Lena Horns and, and et cetera, et cetera, it goes on. Right. These people did it at a time where nobody was trying to just do the right thing, <laughs> right? It wasn't BLM. Or do the right thing or just try to do something to yeah, make it look right. To make it look right. That's better, <laughs> yeah, right? It yeah. wasn't BLM. No. It was the fact that they embodied something on screen that drew attention, that was, that was the craft, yeah. and it was unimpeachable, classy performance, sure. right? You know, and so now today in 2020, since everybody wants to embrace this surface... <laughs> kind of placating Lord. to all of these racial ideas and issues, right? It's putting a question mark on black achievement. And and I'm not for it. It's time for us to grow up. No doubt. It's old. No it's doubt. just old. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I I think like like you're saying, the most disappointing thing is just it's not um it's not a fair representation of, of black people just in general. I mean, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like you can probably go a, a long ways before you find that one person that's carrying hot sauce in their purse. <laughs> so I just think that, that holds, I mean, you know, go check Hillary Clinton first, okay? And, yeah. and you'll probably have better better chances, especially if it's an election year. Um, <laughs> she's got that hot sauce ready. Always. But, I, you know, it's the stereotypes, it's the ha, 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 and it's just, it just ain't funny. Yeah. It just wasn't funny funny at least be funny i mean you know if you're gonna do something then at least <laughs> at least make me laugh make me okay. laugh make about me laugh. it at least you so know? that i see the, the 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 comedic value in it yeah but no it wasn't it. there and it it plays on these tropes these caricatures of black people no doubt. and it's these very base caricatures right these these yes. very base things yes. we talking about hot sauce and we talking about pit bulls and then we use uh, cardi b as a poet in line with Maya Angelou. <laughs> now, when a black woman reads Maya Angelou versus a black woman listening to Cardi B's music, um, I would venture to say, I can't speak for black women, but I would venture to say the level of inspiration would be wholly different. It's kind of like I this, would hope right? so. It, it, would, it would be different. I would but hope so. it's, it's one of those things where why do we have to do that? Why do we have to resort to the base? Why do, why do we have to go and uh, kind of caricature ourselves as these people who, you know, should have been the pit bull. Should have, I mean, that's not black existence. That's not black life. Just because that's what Hollywood tries to put out before us as being exactly. black life. It's like you're, and, and this is what's funny, right? Because these are the same people that want to impugn people like Candace Owens uh, or Angela Stanton King or any other black conservative voice. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, oh, you know, you're just a shill for those yeah. Republicans. You're just out there trying to represent them. And it's like, well, no, I'm an independent. You know, I have an independent mind. I can speak for myself. You, on the other hand, wow. seem to fit right into whatever stereotype that the left has created, right? You, yeah. you, you take on those parts. You, you get great joy about being able to go out there and promote those movies, um, even though you know that that is not indicative of black life Full, full tilt, right? And in, no. in all of its in all of its arrays and colors and stripes, that is not mm. everything that black life is. But you know, you get out there and you you know they pay you enough and you get a chance to go to some of their parties and yeah. rub shoulders. And, and so, who's the pet? Yeah, who's really the pet? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, and that's what I mean by growing up. It's time for us to really. People always talk about we need. <laughs> And once again, I go back to the same thing where everybody's always harping on having an honest conversation about race ah, and only right. to proceed to not have an honest you conversation about race. <laughs> because at the end of the day, that honest conversation has to have has to happen intraracial. Absolutely. That is within our race Absolutely. about race. Because there are a lot of things that we have internalized and that we hold about ourselves mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with the broader society or anybody else in this world. And we've got to start growing up beyond this. We've got to start making a demand. This is one of the reasons why I've always been a, a real fan, since we're in the arts and entertainment realm, talking about the Emmys, I've always been a fan of uh, Denzel. And secondly, uh, with the recent passing of Chadwick, Bo Chadwick Boseman, I was a fan of Chadwick's because Chadwick was a, he was a bright light because of the type of material he chose. Sure. It says a lot about a person. When you look at the material they choose, yeah, uh, and you look at the the length of career of a Denzel, these men they wanted to you could tell they were intentional mm -hmm. about trying to embody something that was positive, 
that was strong, that wasn't a trope or a stereotype necessarily. They were, they were always trying to find the value to raise the image. Right, because right? that's what art should really do. I mean, always. unfortunately, yeah. it's been perverted, but really art art should be there to, to inspire you to, to dream bigger and to, you know, to live better. So, And I, I say that, and of course, Denzel had training day, which he went completely, you know, King Kong. Can't be perfect. You, yeah. <laughs> but you know at the end of the day uh, understanding the the director uh, I think it was Antoine Fuqua and mm-hmm. himself both of them knowing each other and understanding that they were both they're both people of faith they did have a moral they were trying to teach in that movie I heard I saw an interview with them they were trying to convey and of course they went to the dark side to kind of show the the, the depth of of depravity right. but but at the end of the day you can see that there is intention in that artist's heart and mind mm-hmm. whereas when you walk out there and you're willing to do some of the things that I've seen done in recent years, it's just time to grow up. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. We got other stuff to talk about, you so do. we got we to gotta leave that alone and move on to some other subject matter. So, you know, the, the big news over, over the weekend was the passing of, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the immediate fight that, uh, that commenced uh, once the news spread. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, this, this is... This is one of those situations where I think clearly President Trump is, is completely in the right to move out and appoint whoever he deems uh, appropriate. That I mean, truly, if you think about it, in 2016, that's what he ran on, yeah. right? I mean, he, he ran on the wall, but he also ran on this imp- the importance of being able to direct and appoint Supreme Court justices, right? We don't want Hillary Clinton making those decisions. Um, so, so now we're in a position where, you know, he's... He's got batter up. He's got he's got a third one that he that he can throw in the queue. Yeah. And you know, I think it's a real I think it's a real blessing, but it's also um you know, it, it's it's going to be him standing up and saying, you know, we're just going to do it. And prayerfully the Republicans in the Senate um won't try to to shrink back from doing what is their responsibility, which is to go ahead and appoint and support whatever appoint he appointee he puts forward. Yeah. It's a real I mean, these are some of the most unprecedented times, man, because who would have thought that this very popular and yet polarizing president, right, that President Trump would come into the office and be afforded this privilege, really it is, Mm -hmm. to appoint this many justices, Mm -hmm. right? And it's one of those things where had this fallen in a different administration, Oh, Lord, help us. Had it fallen on a very highly liberal, very extreme leftist administration, what the composition of the court would look like, mm-hmm. right? Because we're talking about the difference between, and what we're talking about when it, when it comes to conservative and liberal, when it comes to Democrat and Republican, when it comes to so Supreme Court justices, we're not talking about partisanship or political leanings. Right. What we're talking about is a particular... Uh, constitutional interpretation or approach to constitutional interpretation. Right. We're not necessarily talking about whether they are or, or on the right or on the left. It's really their approach to interpreting the Constitution. Yeah. That there is a conservative way of doing it. There is a more traditional, uh, true to the text, interpreting the text as it was written by the founders mm-hmm. for it to mean what it, it, it means, what it says, says what it means, mm-hmm. and appropriating it and applying it in that manner. And this versus, and that, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, but versus a more, oh, it's a living document, uh, we can, uh, we, you know, we can kind of infer our own meaning onto it. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, and I want to make this plain because for a Supreme Court justice, you don't go into it with red uh, tinted glasses or blue tinted glasses. You go into it with clear glasses, right? You're, 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 not, you're not trying to lean anywhere. Right. You're trying to stick with the integrity of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And on the left, it's just the truth, these are people who they want to appoint activists that are going to be activists from the bench to where they twist and turn things to fit a particular uh, worldview or how they think the, the nation ought to be, right? And so to have this happening, this is a, a tremendous privilege, but it's also a tremendous responsibility to put somebody on the court with clear eyes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I think it's a, it's a very powerful time because, once again, these are lifetime appointments, and this person is going to be shaping jurisprudence in America for who knows how long. 
Well, it's like what, you know, the late Justice Scalia said, you know, the Constitution says what it says and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? And it's a very simple approach to, to how you're supposed to actually be um, conducting, you know, your deliberations when it comes to looking at the law and how it applies versus this idea that, you know, I'm going to go in there with all of my moral grandstanding and I'm going to yeah. make myself feel good um, <laughs> when I say that, yes, you know, same-sex marriages should be um, supported and abortion should be funded and y- whatever it is, that, that yeah. whatever the, the topic may be. And there's, there's quite a few, I think, big issues coming up on the docket for the Supreme Court. So this pick, I mean, is a very critical, it's a very critical opportunity. And, and, and here's the deal, you know, they, they, they being, and I say they as in the Democrats, would like to frame the discussion as one of you're doing America a great injustice by not allowing um, the next president of the United States, this opportunity to appoint. But, you know, the, the issue for me is all about the language, and we'll, we'll dive into that when we play some of these clips. But um, even, even this idea that, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's granddaughter uh, caught her last, you know, really her last words was that, you know, she wanted, she wanted them to wait to appoint someone, you know, behind her until the, the next president is installed. Mm. The next president is installed. Um, how do you know that there's going to be a next president? There could just be a continuation the of thing. the gentleman who is currently in office. And that's completely up to the American public. So I, I, I'm always very... The, <laughs> that's the a very language serious is very, presupposition, isn't it? It is. The language is always such that you're like, wait, till the next president is not yeah, What if the next is the same? Yeah, so, so we want to leave the seat open for four years and just sit there right. and wait for the next person? It's like, no, that's not... So, so I, you know, I'm very, I think, again, this, this idea that we politicize so much. And at the end of the day, um, do we have the votes to confirm? Do the Republicans have the votes to confirm? Mm-hmm. If they do, and Donald J. Trump is still the president of these United States, carry on. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if the Democrats were in the White House and they were, their administration was in the executive branch and they had a Democrat president, they would be saying the same thing. You know, as they have. They would be saying the same thing irrespective of anything because at the end of the day, their want is for power and they feel, they truly feel like it is slipping away. That's why they feel like, you know, this is all hands on deck. We'll do whatever we need to do. We'll riot. We'll loot. We'll, we'll, you know, there's complete consternation because this right here could, could undo everything Mm. that we've been working towards for decades. They feel like it's a watershed moment, but it, it is a moment in which the composition of the court is going to shift. Oh, the balance tilts it's considerably. Going to shift. Considerably. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it has the it has the potentiality to shift very tremendously. Because we no longer and need Roberts to be the the deciding vote. Yeah, the swing guy. He doesn't have to be. And it becomes a very it, it, it's it's very serious now. And and this is why, like you say, you do see a tremendous amount of desperation because they are clamoring. I mean, with Hillary's talking and everybody, they're they're pulling out all kinds of ideas that you know we could we could pull out impeachment again we could <laughs> i mean they're talking about things that are and you know what you know what bothers me about it all is that these elected leaders never seem to stop and say how much are we causing the american people to have to endure while we do all of this hmm. there seems to be no consideration like a, a leader caught in a scandal so to speak if you're caught red-handed right if it's not a leader uh, in in politics it's a pastor or a CEO of a company, or, or something or other, right? And they're caught in a scandal, and they know it's the truth, and it's, and it's all out, but they're going to stand, in the, and they're going to fight like the Dickens because they're not going to give up their position. They're not going to resign. They're not going to step down because of all that they've done and all that they feel like they are. And they, they're being very selfish because they're not considering what they're putting their constituents in the body that they govern through mm-hmm. right the people who really are leaders and care will say i'm not gonna put everybody through that i'll just step down mm-hmm. i'll just resign step to the side the nation doesn't need it the company doesn't need it the church doesn't need it the body doesn't need it mm-hmm. but what happens when you have hubris and you have pride is you're blinded by your own light so you don't <laughs> see what you're putting everybody through because mm-hmm. you're standing in your own spotlight over what you want to do to defend yourself and so in the course of all these things you can see the hubris in our body politic by those who are not simply asking that question. Like, we're putting the American people through a whole lot of political theater. I mean, a lot of just outright lies, stuff you can't even pull yourself to believe, right? 
and and they're putting the American people through all of this stuff and not just simply stepping aside and saying, okay, is it constitutionally uh, approved? Can he do it? Can can this happen? Is it right? Wrong? If it's if it's not wrong, what are we fussing about? Right. It is what it is. Elections have consequences, and when people are in position of leadership, that is what they are allowed to do is lead. And we have to we have to recognize we, it's not just the peaceful transition of power that is a tradition. It is the peaceful respect for those in authority yes. that should also be the tradition we, we, we hold to. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, this is for the Democrats to a great degree. They're chickens coming home to roost, so to say. Um, you know, back in 2013, they had that big drag out fight, uh, Mitch McConnell and, and Harry Reid, the Democrats, you know, about having to wanting to use the nuclear option and take it to a simple majority. When before it, it took two thirds of the Senate to confirm they opted. They wanted the simple majority, which means now all I need is 51 votes. Yeah. Well, I mean, sucks to be you, but this is the bed you made. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is the bed you made. And no, ultimately, right. you Absolutely. calculated in a way that you felt like at the time it was expedient and it was useful. And, and then you would be in power. Absolutely. You had time. Absolutely. Right right on the heels Absolutely. of President Obama, you had Hillary Clinton coming in and That's nobody, correct. nobody and nobody That's was expecting for Donald Trump to become the president. And it happened. And it happened. <laughs> and now you're sitting back thinking, oh, we gotta, we're going to pack the court. We're going to impeach. Yeah. We're going to do everything. It's like, no, if you would have just simply le- left Senate procedures the way that they were, yeah. then you would have been in a position to say, well, at least they got to get 60%, and, and we're going to, you know, hey, we're going to work towards this. They need two-thirds majority to move this, and, you know, you we've got some room. You, you overplayed your hand. You go too far. And so now, you know, like I said, you're in a position where you want to cry, and you want to kick rocks, and you want to, you know, get everybody on your side because they're bullying us, and they're being so unfair, <laughs> and I don't like it. I'm going to take my ball and go home. And people are like, you know. Yeah. We voted. Yeah. We voted. That's yeah. what we did. And uh, in this election, man, speaking of voting, oh, man, I, I, I wanted so to get here and be over <laughs> so that people, <laughs> I mean, people are really, people are really in some serious dilemmas. Uh, I don't think everybody is, but there are a lot of people who are in, uh, and they're really, to see people behave the way I've seen adults behave. Yeah, visceral reactions to things that are just... And, babe, they're not having visceral reactions to people who have wronged them. No. They're not having visceral reactions to someone who has done something concrete to stop them in their careers, harm them bodily, do anything physical. They're having visceral visceral reactions to people who simply are going to vote differently than they want them to. Yes. I mean, what is wrong with us? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing it's one thing to have a big response because somebody's trying to harm you. <laughs> but somebody wearing a hat is bothering you enough. Yeah. to want to cancel them? I mean, people cutting off family and friends, they're not following on Facebook, they're deleting people. <laughs> <laughs> you mad? You mad, bro? It is crazy out here, man. I mean, people have lost their ever-loving mind. Yeah. Right? And they don't even know that much about politics to get that mad. They don't. Right? The they level don't. of ignorance is too high for all that type of anger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Because when you sit down and you talk to people, they don't even understand politics or the procedures or they don't understand anything that's going on in the body politic to a great degree. They treat the presidential race almost like uh, most likely to succeed in high school, right? It's like it's like voting on prom Mr. king and queen. Congeniality. Yeah, it's it's it, which th- is th- why th- Hillary lost, by the way. <laughs> Stop it! Now you just be a man. You just been a mess. But, I'm just but being no, honest. But but serious people look at things on a very surface level and then get hot. If you were to ask them real pointed policy questions about things, they would sit there and they would they would drop their jaw. Mm-hmm. And not be able to respond. But see, that's not really even the issue. The issue is not that you can't respond. It's that you don't take your lack of, of information and knowledge and apply it somewhere and say, that was a good question. Let me go to Google 
Let me go to the library. Mm. Let me go find something and educate me. I can't afford to do me. that, though. I can't afford to do that because mm. it might shoot holes in my presuppositions. Yeah. I got a whole vision of how the world works, right? Mm -hmm. I got mm -hmm. a whole set of collection of assumptions about how all this works. Yes. I can't afford to let facts get in the way of that. That's true. I can't afford to let truth get in the way of that. That's true. I want to keep this little beehive <laughs> that I live, live around with all these little swarming assumptions about how all of this works. I want to keep <laughs> that for myself. You're not going to mess that up by me finding out something by Googling it. And see, I'm telling you, we are, we are, it's showing how shallow we are that we're allowing this political process to divide us so much. Because, folks, I'm telling you, it is important, but really what you choose to do at your house is more important. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, things in this world Absolutely. are going to have to get done across racial lines. Things are going to have to get done that require police enacting with the citizenry. Mm -hmm. Things are going to have to get done that require Democrats and Republicans to come together. Things are going to have to get done with us yes. coming together. Yes. And at some point, once again, we got to grow up. Because to me, it's just all of it's a, a, a sign of smallness. Mm -hmm. That we're refusing, we're refusing to do the heavy lifting of growing up intellectually and spiritually and socially i agree baby you know the I, the simplest way that i can say it in, in reference to to voting it, it's very it, it's very easy you know i'm going to support the candidate that a supports life mm -hmm. and, and then b supports life being able to build a life yeah. okay so that's the protection of my private property yes and the things that i have have worked to obtain i want to make sure that whoever i put into office supports my free enterprise mm -hmm. to go about building the life that I feel is adequate, useful, necessary for me and my family. And so anybody that puts an impediment to those things is a problem. I mean, if you want to kill babies in the womb, that's a problem. Because well, if you'll kill babies, then you'll steal my property too. If you'll steal the baby out of the womb, you'll come and steal something out of my home yeah. or, or come and steal my home, period. You have no moral compass whatsoever because you're, you're not even starting at, the at, basic at ground, life, <laughs> at yeah. ground level. Yeah. So I, I just, I would hope that people would would start to understand that, like you said, it's it's not a personality uh, contest. It's truly not, no. and especially, and I want to say this for Christians because I've seen a lot of this, and this is getting really tired and long in the tooth. This idea that well, we're just going to abstain from voting because you know Trump is mean and he says women are nasty and he and he tweets. I'm going to need people to get over that. I really am because at the <laughs> end of the day. You know, you don't open up your scripture and see Jesus as as this Puritan uh, that that will not that will not stand against those who are doing something illegal, improper, uh, ungodly. Okay, he called the Pharisees out. Mm -hmm. He he went through the temple. He he overturned tables. That's not a man who's walking through there floating. Like, well, nothing's bothering me. I just love everyone. I want, can I give you a flower? Would you like a flower? God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. I love you. God bless yeah. you. No. He said, no, 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 This not, not in my father's house. We're not doing that. Y'all yeah. get on app it. So we have to grow as Christian people to believe that it is okay to stand flat-footed and say something is absolutely wrong. Yeah. Absolutely on its face wrong. Yeah. We have to be able to say that. And, I, and I, feel, I feel like I can, to some degree, say that something is stupid without saying that the person is stupid. But the <laughs> idea on its face is stupid and we have to be able to say <laughs> yeah, that you're right and i don't you're feel right. like i don't get any type of check in here that starts to say well you know you're not walking in love no i love you enough to tell you that that's stupid yeah so wow. we have to grow beyond this idea of this pettiness this I, what is this what, why are we but, overly but sensitive know, about it but you know what i don't think we are because i think most christians in their everyday lives do that very same thing you just described. Oh, absolutely. They do it all the time. Of course time. we do. I mean, we do it all the time. I mean, they, they'll call their pastor stupid. Yeah, talk about it. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's like, if, if we just get honest about it, people are living that way, but what has happened is, for whatever reason, politics does this to people. People put on a hat. They do. That it is made of tin foil or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, serious. I'm serious because we we do we start getting puritanical. We do. We start getting overly righteous more so than we even apply in our own lives. Yes. All of a sudden, we start nitpicking and looking for things, and at the end of the day, yeah. it's like it 
it's so convolute mm -hmm. what could be a much more simple and streamlined process to a decision, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, if you don't agree with something, that's okay. Go mm -hmm. vote the way you want to vote. Nobody's telling you, but, but as a Christian person, stop, you know, with all this subterfuge about uh, temperament and oh, personality and like, all this please. stuff. I mean, and we, and we, and this is coming from Christians who love Jesus. And, and when you're a Christian, you're a Christian. Yeah. So just because you don't walk or you say, well, I'm not perfect, well, nobody is. Yeah, I don't but you know, people, people try to try to exonerate themselves from the responsibility of living according to the word of God, <laughs> you know, by saying, well, yeah. I'm not a pastor or a preacher or this, that, or the other. No, if you say Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Absolutely. You are as Christian as any other Christian is a Christian. Absolutely. There is no degrees. There's no, <laughs> there's no variations in it. You are, you are a believer, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are a believer and, and, and you, you, you know there are, there are Christians out there who are sitting up saying this and they cuss. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't even like they, their own family. They, they do, like, what they are they talking all, about? They're doing all kinds of stuff, but they got problems. They got problems. Because the man stands up and says somebody is nasty or is a pig. Now, listen, I wouldn't say it. That ain't what I'm going to say it to somebody. I, I probably would, but I just, I, if I got mad enough, I'd be on Twitter too. Like, see, you doggone idiot. If, if, they've done something, if, they've done something, if they've done something worthy. And see, this is, where, this is where I have an issue. Because we are starting to live as though nothing exists that is worthy of unmitigated condemnation. Right. No shame. There's no shame that anymore. That there is nothing gone. anymore that can gone. be condemned. Right. Amen. Unless, yeah. it, well, you can condemn certain things politically speaking, but there's nothing that can be condemned. Like we're, we're living in this world in which we we're kind of wanting everybody to kind of just live your own truth. That's why we have these type of phrases like your own truth, like you own this thing or something, which What's you don't mean? you don't have ownership of truth. Yeah. Um, but we, we are all walking around here living this way. And there are things in this world that should be roundly condemned. There are things in this world, there's behavior, activity. There are things said that, as you said, are stupid and shameful. They're Absolutely. ignorant. They're, they're, they just are what they are. And here's the, here's the kicker. Nobody wants to say this, but here's the kicker. There are people. People, not just their ideas. <laughs> See, I was trying to be nice. No, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious. And I love everybody. Yeah. I got no problems with anybody. But there are people who have truly are just rotten people there are people who are through and through have adopted a way of being living and thinking and they're bad people absolutely they're bad people absolutely. and they're bad people in this world and we we can't live like that doesn't exist and we judge people by their fruit i mean that's that's the way we're supposed to judge right that's we all judge, we got we, we judge people by their fruit we're not omniscient no nope so we don't know intents of hearts correct right that's all we got is fruit inspection mm -hmm. And so when the fruit pops out, idiot, <laughs> and, and, and fruit, <laughs> fruit is idiot on the end of the tree, then I'm not going to condemn the person to being that, Just but their ideas it. and what they say and the way they're thinking cate is categorized, qualifies for being idiotic, sure. it, being wrongheaded, being wrong. And so it can be condemned. Now, like I said, I'm going to do it with class because I always want to respect people, but at the same time... That does not mean that I don't know that. There are very evil and wrong people in this world, and they don't give a, a crap no about doubt. your faith. No they doubt. don't care anything about what you believe. They mm -hmm. will run roughshod right over everything you hold dear Correct. if you sit back in your piety and allow them, which is false humility in, in, in a, anyway. And, and, and it's kind of pseudo-religious uh, disposition mm -hmm. that sits back and kind of kowtows and gives space to everything right. that is evil. Accommodate, accommodate, accommodate. Yeah, <laughs> to no end. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, that's, that, that's not Christianity. That's not how we're supposed to be. We have to occupy until he comes. And the problem, is, the, the problem is that we have given too much ground. This is why we are where we are today. This is why we had to have a Trump come into office. And completely upset the paradigm. Wait a minute. Now, see, now you, you're getting into some sticky situations here. Why? Because so now are you saying that Trump, you said that's why we had to have a Trump. So are you trying to say that Trump is in a way doing something that maybe, gosh, I guess that Christian people won't do or haven't done? or Have they done it? Or, or won't <laughs> I mean, won't they haven't done for? it. I mean, they, they haven't done it. I mean, if you think about that's it. That's strong. If you you, you, you want to go public with that? Well, 
<laughs> I think that that is. I you think know that's I'm messing with you because so I know many. you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the feeling of so many, though. And like I said, we I was not on the Trump train no. at all. I was like, no. dude, this is serious. I don't need, I don't have time business. for all of this. I need somebody who's going to get it done. Yeah. And and but you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what he has shown is a spine of steel and an ability to just basically say water off a duck's back. I don't really care. You don't like me? Oh, I'm so sorry. You don't like me. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next and he thing. Moves on. I really don't care. I don't have time to sit here and pacify you. And you know, I think that's one of I think that's one of the things that people don't like about him. They can't they can't affect him because I find Absolutely. that a lot of people they do they they dislike you more when they realize that their angst and issues with you doesn't affect when it, you. When you're unbothered. Yeah, when you just kind of eh. <laughs> and they're just like, and you keep on moving. <laughs> yeah, they, they hate the fact they can't move you. They and I think know. to some degree, that's what bothers people about him because it, there are things about him. Of course, like you said, we were neither one of us were, were, were Trump supporters at the beginning in 2016 when he came down the escalator. We were both the same. I remember, I almost remember when we looked at each other, we were like, Oh Lord! <laughs> <We're just> like, <laughs> what is, what, what is going on? What Jesus. is going on in this world? Yeah. You know, because we were. I hadn't both, prayed about it though. No, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't yeah. prayed about it at the no, time. No, we weren't. We were like, <laughs> we were like, and like I said, I wasn't a Trump hater. No. I wasn't a person who disliked him because he's been in the public eye for as long as I've been alive. So I knew him, right. and uh, I never had any. I never saw any negative messaging about him that was just so. Oh, he's a racist. Oh, he's a, any this that or the other. That didn't happen until after he ran for <clears> president. <throat> for whatever reason. But he's he's been in the public eye for man, decades now. So when he came down the escalator, I wasn't like, oh God, you know, I can't stand him. It was more like, no, bro, this is serious business. If you're coming down to run a kind of offshoot of the apprentice, you know, using the political process to do so, I ain't with that. I'm this is serious business. But little did I know that evidently he was much more serious than than we thought he was. Sure. And and it really is a real. It's almost like a prick. It's like a it's a it's a provocation to us. Yes. Right. No doubt. It's a prov. And see, and that's the unique thing, thing about it. Since we've kind of walked off into this this. I got um, clips to play, man. No, I'm just I know. Kidding. We walked off. <laughs> we walked off, and I'm going to shut up after this. No, no, no. We walked off into this kind of Trumpian world here. <laughs> Trumpian. The unique this the unique thing okay. the unique thing about all of this that people have to sit back and, and, and consider and watch is that he is actually, he is upending not just the Democratic Party, but the Republican Party as well. Oh, yes. That he's Absolutely. running and existing and presiding as president against both. That there are those in the Republican Party who, because of the way he's going about doing things, I don't know whether it's because I don't know whether they feel diminished because of it because they've put in so much work and so many years and they're died in the wool Republicans and they believe they they know that they have the light to light the way uh, for conservative values into perpetuity or whatever I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but they're uh, they seem offended at him, and and it's really a unique thing to watch because <laughs> he he's sitting here having to bat back both sides yeah. to do his job. And the Hollywood elite can't stand him. The media elite can't stand him. Billionaires, very rich people in his socioeconomic class can't stand him, right? And people are sitting back like, oh, he's an elitist and he's a racist and he's a this and he's a that. And all of these people don't like this man. He's mm -hmm. not accepted within the, the, the beltway in DC. He's not one of the political elite the media is constantly running every 24-hour news cycle to try to berate him. When are people going to wake up to realize that this man evidently is not what they're trying to make him out to be? Because, I'm, look, I'm, I'm like this. If I don't know something about you, if I know if the right people dislike you, then it makes me interested, right? Sure. And in this particular case... The very far left, the liberals and the media and Hollywood, and then those entrenched Republicans, these people have problems with this man, which lets me know that evidently he is a true president of the people. Mm -hmm. He cannot be an elitist as people charging to be. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It just it doesn't make sense because the elite can't stand him. Yeah. They can't stand him. And so 
it's time for us to kind of wake up out of this malaise and stop letting people uh, kind of write on our minds what they want us to, to read and understand and start looking with clear eyes at what's going on in the world. And so, But he's like the embodiment of that Kipling poem, if, you know what I mean? That he's he's really been able to sit around and eat with kings and still have the common touch, right? That he deals with people, mm-hmm. he shakes their hand, he treats them like individuals, and he doesn't put on airs. He doesn't come across as someone who's like, uh, I just, let me, can uh, I have a napkin? He, he's, a, he's a billionaire. He's a billionaire, but he's more of a blue-collar billionaire. He, he is. And that the way he's come about his wealth is not like what people think. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, I, I'm, all, I, I'm all in on, on voting for, for Donald J. Trump. And, and I'm, for one, believe most Americans with common sense are, are on that train as well. And I think that's why the Democrats are, are so just discombobulated. Because I think, like I said, you, baby, here's, here's what happens. People, people can't live off of constant crisis, right? Mm. I mean, at some point, you come to a place of fatigue, mm. Right. You come to yeah. a place of just, oh, my gosh, I just that is so true. What am I supposed to get excited about today? Racism. Wait a minute. Sexism. No. What is it today? Abortion rights. What are we losing today? Yeah. It's always another crisis. And people after a while are unaffected, unmoved. How, how, how many times do you get to stir them up? And say, okay, guys, this is this is it. I mean, the whole country's going to go to hell in a handbasket if you don't get on board and do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been the Democratic strategy for so long. Mm-hmm. That has gotten to the point where people it's just... It's always a crusade. It's always a crusade. And people just, they can't live like that, right? They have post-traumatic syndrome. They just can't, <laughs> they can't go left, right, up, down. And every day it's an emotional, you know, ass- assault. And I think that's why when you see people who are very much, I mean, they are tried and true liberals. That's why they're a little off, honestly. <laughs> I'm just being honest. We're going to scratch that. I'm just saying, that's why they're a little <laughs> unadjusted in what they're in, in their approach. You know, they're a little unbalanced, but that's because they've lived in crisis. Like, when have they ever sat back and said, America is a great country? When have they ever just lived at room temp? There you go. Uh, there you go. Like, okay, it's like you good. just can't keep going all. I mean, nobody can live a life like that without going a little, you know, it's questionable. I don't know what I think today. Yeah, well, you 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 ultimately put yourself in a state of cognitive dissonance. You do. Uh, you do perpetually. Yes. Right. It's not like an event. You you kind of live there. You live in this conflict of of thoughts and ideas and conflict with the world you're living in. Because a lot of times, people have to kind of contrive some of these grievances because they're not organic they're to not their life real. experience. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? They've lived their entire Absolutely. life. They're talking about there are people out in the street talking about defund the police, defund the police, defund the police, and they in their organic life experience. They haven't had those type of run-ins with police. If they've had any run-ins with if police at all. <laughs> and many times, some of them have had run-ins with the police that were positive. Exactly. And they, and they, but people have to, in order to, to fit into this, this narrative and to feel like they're a part of something purposeful, even mm-hmm. though it may be misguided or wrongheaded, yes. people are willing to contrive. Yes. They're willing to kind of create and make up, a, up, up something yes. within themselves to do so. But you, there is... There's only so much passion you can have for something that isn't real, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, At you some run point, out of steam. You, you just run out you of can't steam. Do it. Yeah. yeah, and you keep living this 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 life of uh, of, of make believe, and you you can't do that. Well, let's do at least this. Let's jump to the Hillary Clinton clips because I think this is appropriate in what we're talking about. But um, yeah. let's at least play one of those. They have a couple of scenarios that they're looking uh, toward. One is messing up absentee balloting so that they then get maybe a narrow advantage in the Electoral College on Election Day. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. You know, Rachel, I I really do think that Vice President Biden is uh, very well positioned uh, and now with Kamala Harris on the ticket uh, to win uh, the overwhelming vote and even the Electoral College. Uh, But I also fear and worry about all of the shenanigans that we are seeing from uh, the Trump campaign and their allies 
uh, trying to, you know, mess with the post office, increasing their efforts to suppress votes and then a much more aggressive disinformation campaign that is uh, underway. Uh, so if we had a totally free, open election, I believe that uh, Joe and Kamala would be our next president and vice president. But I think we're going to have to work like crazy uh, between now and November to make sure that everybody who wants to vote does vote and every vote is counted. And that's going to be the challenge for uh, not only uh, the Democratic Party and the ticket, but frankly, the public and the press so that we have an election that uh, accurately reflects the will of the people. Do you think that the Democratic Party has the right muscles, the right uh, resources to to bring to bear to that kind of a fight in these next 70 some odd days before the election actually happens? What do you think the public at large, the media, the Democratic Party should be trying to build up, shore up in order to get ready for that kind of fight, if you think that's the most likely uh, eventuality? Well, obviously, I've been really concerned about this for some time, and I've been supporting groups and uh, litigation uh, to try to make sure that uh, the vote is uh, going to be protected and mail-in voting is uh, going to be permitted to the extent that uh, it should be. Uh, I think that uh, the Biden campaign, the DNC, a lot of concerned citizen groups are looking hard at what more needs to be done. I think the press has to really absolutely zero in on what's going on with the post office. You know, uh, when the uh, crony that Trump installed as the postmaster general uh, did everything he could uh, to undermine the vote, taking out sorting machines, cutting hours, taking out mailboxes. Uh, and then once he was uh, told he had to appear before Congress saying, oh, that they would stop. But there's been no commitment to reverse the damaging changes mm -hmm. that they've already put into place. I think it's going to take a lot of lawyers. Um, it's going to take a lot of poll workers. It's going to take a lot of people at the polls to counter what has already been publicly announced, which is a Republican National Committee intimidation force. They're recruiting people to show up at polling places to intimidate voters. Uh, so this is going to be a, a very uh, important existential struggle, Rachel, to make sure that everything is in place to protect the vote and also to be ready for whatever scenario may come about uh, on Election Day. And I can think of, you know, a dozen that uh, would be very challenging and we have to you know, work them through and, and be prepared for any one of them. So uh, <laughs> oh, there's so much there. <laughs> there's so much there. And I'm going to leave all of that meat on the bone for you. <clears throat> you are. Yes. That's so kind of you. So so first, you know, Joe Biden shouldn't on any, uh, you know, for any circumstances concede. OK, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are, are positioned greatly and we should be concerned about having free and fair elections. OK, this isn't Iraq. OK, this is the United States of America. Mm -hmm. So if you've gone and registered to vote, if you've done your due diligence to register to vote and you're concerned about ensuring your right to do so, then I guarantee you that you'll go to your polling place ready, right? Voter registration card, driver's license in hand. Like, I ain't getting turned away today because I'm about to do this, okay? <laughs> You're that committed. That's how we have free and fair elections here in the United States. We don't have them, though, by sending ballots to dead people, harvesting those ballots and writing in who you want to be the, the actual winner of the contest, um, ballot stuffing, or doing any other underhanded uh, means to try to contrive a win. And this is what I said, like, several podcasts ago, <laughs> that these folks, no, seriously, these people are, are bent on power. Mm. And the, the greatest disappointment for them was not just that Hillary Clinton did not get elected in 2016. It's the fact that you didn't fall for it. Mm. You were supposed to go in there. I mean, we, we put her in a glass building. We built this up. We told you she had an eight-point lead. I mean, we told you this thing was in the bag. And you had the audacity to go into that voting booth and say, no, not this time. This time, I don't get what you say, because I'm going to go in there. I'm going to tick off that little ballot, and I'm going to put another ballot in there and say, Joe Biden. 
And this is the problem. And the fact that they continue to talk about the post office like this is some boogeyman. Like, I mean, I mean, think about this, baby. Trump is out here. I mean, he's sitting down with world leaders, bringing people to the table. They're, they're, they're signing all kind of peace accords. Mm-hmm. He's doing real work. You think he's sitting back saying, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful post office. I'm going to take all those post office boxes. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't care. At the end of the day, he's doing the job and the work of the American people. What Ms. Clinton is doing is trying to create a narrative, mm-hmm. right? This narrative that it was already, there was already peril at the very beginning. Yeah. At the start. Well, she's trying to she's trying to position <laughs> for a post election result upheaval, right? Yes. You know, she's trying to to have news after the uh, the election is over, right? <laughs> because because what you're doing is you're baiting the American people, uh, trying to foment consternation and, and outrage and so forth and so on at the already kind of probably perceived result of this election because you know that Biden and Harris are not attractive. I, I've, I've said this in private. I'll say it here. and I'll say it, say it to people who ask. Most people, now there are some who are committed to the liberal vision of the world, the liberal vision they have of America and how they want America to be, and so they're going to vote for Biden and Harris because uh, they would be more supportive or in league with their vision of how America ought to be, mm-hmm. right? But for the most part, most people, and this is the reason why a lot of people aren't voting, because they don't want Biden and Harris. They would have to settle for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it may be somewhat of a crude example, and I don't mean this to be mean to anybody, but it's kind of like that person who is just tired of being single, and somebody's trying to talk to them, and they really don't want them. <laughs> they, they really, this is real life, though. This happens in real life. It happens a lot. <laughs> Stop it. Well, it this, this is in real life. And somebody, they're, they're trying to talk to you, and they really don't want the person. And so, but they end up getting engaged and marrying the person, not because they wanted them, but because they kind of settled, mm-hmm. right, for them. Because it beat being, man, I've been single for a long time or whatever. And people are, and it's kind of a, a it's not a choice. It's kind of just falling back into a default, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's what Biden and Harris are. They're not a choice. And I don't mean that to be rude or, or, or unmannerly about it, but they're not a choice. I mean, we're talking about a candidate who has not come out of his basement. We're talking about a gentleman who, which is, you know, it's a serious issue for me. I don't, I'm not saying this lightly because I think I, I, don't, I don't glory in any person's weaknesses, but a man who seems to be uh, mentally losing his acuity and not in, in his ability to be able to truly do the job of even just, I mean, he's reading answers off of teleprompters to questions about his policy. Uh, that's, that's, that's strong. I'm sorry, that's, that's serious business. And so, you know, these things are happening, and uh, I think people see it. Nobody wants to say it. And if you really, really hate Donald Trump, you just look away from it. You know, you, you, you don't pay it any attention because you just want to get Trump out of there no matter what. You would put <laughs> Daffy Duck in the White House. Probably would. <laughs> yeah, you know, over, over him. And so, but people, he's not really, they're not really a viable choice. They haven't presented anything. Even during the Democratic National Convention, the, the particulars of policy, the, the, you're talking about saving the soul of America and, and, and kind of using these rosy terms and so forth and so on. But, but where is your, where's your vision? Yeah. Where, where, where's the, where are the political planks to the vision, right? The policy planks, I should say. And so you, you see a lot of vagueness there and there's really no real definition, you know, and, and I think people know that. I think people see it. I think people feel it. And like I say, where everybody's kind of just living in this state of, oh, well, forget it. <laughs> and so what you're seeing in Hillary is her understanding that. So what she's trying to create then another crisis is another crisis <laughs> once again for people. That's so that the when the when the votes are counted and Donald Trump, he, he were to win in November, then it will be something else they can fall back on to now carry into his second term to fill it up with lots of subterfuge and confusion. For and four angst years, and, they'll and, talk about how he was illegitimate. Oh, and they'll, and they'll, they'll illegitimate. And it's just a setup. It's all political theater. It's all playing, you know, it's all, it's all which hand is the marble in, you know, and at the <laughs> end of the day, uh, hopefully people are wising up to see it and, and they will go and they'll vote. They'll do what they have to do to vote properly. They'll register to vote, get out and get involved in the privilege of voting. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you hit on something that I don't think a lot of times we, we talk about enough. I mean, folks, there are places in this world where you do not get this privilege. Wow. Okay? 
We, we, we have the privilege to vote. People died for this right to vote, this privilege to vote, and to be able to have a voice in your nation. But with that voice comes a responsibility to educate oneself, to understand really kind of what's going on. You don't have to be some constitutional scholar. You don't right. have to be any of that. But you have to try to do your due diligence as a citizen to know really how, how you ought to be thinking. And then if you're a Christian, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, to be voting what is congruent with kingdom principle. Because that's what I'm going to that's what I'm going to try to exalt first. Because I realize righteousness exalts a nation. You can put anybody Absolutely. in there you want to, but Absolutely. if we're not going to vote for righteous causes, it doesn't the, matter. The nation is going to deteriorate. So we have to do those things, and uh, I think that's very important. But I, I like what you said about it. I think you know Hillary, she's she's kind of doing some projection there. I think. I think there's a lot of projection there, and, and at the end of the day, it's just you guys didn't want me, and I don't understand that. I think that's at the end of the day that that, that the root of everything for her is just. She got rejected. Because she ran twice. She yes. I, I, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, she ran twice. Yeah. And, and it didn't work out. But at any rate, here we are, 2020. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you guys once again. This for was joining. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I just say that. I laughed a lot on this show. <laughs> that was pretty you good. said a lot of things. You got oh some stuff Lord. off your chest, I think. That's why you're laughing. You said some stuff, too. You yeah. call people idiots. So I didn't call anybody so. idiot. I said something. I said, if the fruit growing on the end of the vine is idiot. Is idiot. <laughs> Then, I like I, that. then the tree <laughs> is idiot. <laughs> might be an idiot tree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lord, it's idiotic. So, because that's all we have to go on. But anyway, we tape these I, late, people. I, I we tape these late. I digress. <laughs> that's why I'm so funny. At the end of the day, thank you once again <laughs> for listening to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. Once again, subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Follow us on all of our streaming platforms: Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. You can find us also on Stitcher. We would love to hear from you. Leave your comments. Your critiques your questions join the conversation you are welcome at our table to talk about these most important things that are going on in our culture today so until next time god bless